Ethan and Benjamin Castle are Americans. Watching the footy. Liam Ryan saying kick it my way. I want to jump over the pack and here he comes. Oh, Ryan! This is Buddy Franklin! This is the greatest showman! Got the handball off to Myers. Myers looking for the lead of Stengel. Gee, they're good. Gee, they're sharp. Randall Gazzarioli. Oh, who else? McDonald. Tibble. From inside the centre square. Hello everyone, good time of day and all of that jazz or other type of music. I mean, I could go for some freeform jazz now that I've acquired a taste for it. I'm Ethan Castle coming to you from South San Francisco, California. I am Benjamin Castle coming to you from South San Francisco, California. This is episode 108 of Americans Watching the Footy, the 36th episode of season two. It's our round 14 preview, just six games this round. Just looking at these preview notes, they feel, you just kind of feel how short they are looking out of it. Feels weird. I think this is, of the bye rounds, probably the most fun set of matchups, which has a decent amount to do with the Eagles not playing. Oh, absolutely. This is the best round of the season because of that. I see like, Four legitimately intriguing games. Three that I think are really tough to pit. We got some Jimmy Rustlers. Really only see two matchups this round that aren't super enticing. And one of those two is one that you would have never expected to be not enticing. I mean, you would expect one team to have the advantage based on where the game is. But yeah, that that is a less enticing one. But I don't want to waste any more time than we already have before we actually hit record. So. The round begins with some Thursday night footy again. Port hosting Geelong at the Adelaide Oval. A 7.10 p.m. local bounce in Adelaide, so 7.40 for audiences in the Pacific states of Australia. 5.40 a.m. Eastern, 2.40 a.m. Pacific for American viewers. This is a Fox Soccer Plus telecast. I know that people are still scared about Geelong coming out of the bye, but I will mention they've won each of the last three years coming out of the bye. Last team they lost to right after the bye was actually Port back in 2019. Still, obviously, the Power are a really strong team right now, but the Cats have actually won back-to-back home-and-away trips to Port Adelaide, including a 12-point win last year in Round 19. Cats had a monster second quarter, Port had a huge third, and then Tom Hawkins kicked the final two goals to break a tie. They also had a convincing 35-point win at home back in Round 10. And they will play twice again this year. Round 21, they meet at the Cattery. Port are 11-2 in second and are on a club record 10-game winning streak. The Cats 6-6. They're in ninth after sitting idle. Both these teams won their previous games, which were both at Marvel Stadium against the Bulldogs. That was a hell of a Friday nighter last week. We saw how strong Port are through the quarter. They're the number one quarter-use team in the competition, and... Even with DeLong getting back some pieces in the midfield, I think they're going to be exploited through the middle of the ground like most of Port's opponents have been as of late. One change for Port, Lockie Jones broke his jaw last week after having a pretty solid game, maybe his best game of the season, so 
Lockie will miss four weeks. Ryan Burton comes back in after performing well on the Sandful post-omission. Some players to watch going forward for Port in their Magpies list right now. Horatio Fantasia kicked four goals, and hopefully soon BT will be able to say his name again. Tom Jonas also did well, but Ken Hinkley doesn't want to put him back in. He likes how most of the back line's going, and Burton's a more versatile piece, so I get his inclusion regardless. Port Adelaide have done me a huge favor by not listing Francis Evans even as an emergency, which, again, it's like, you have the automatic win guy. Why wouldn't you use him? Yeah, um, Quentin Narkel is among the emergencies, though, as are Jonas, Jace Burgoyne, and Riley Bonner, who's been the sub of choice as of late. What's a Bonner? I would guess it'll be Bonner. Could be Burgoyne. I'm doubting it's Narkel, because Magpies played on Saturday. It's definitely not going to be Tom Jonas, though. I think that's... No, and if they need a defensive out, that's why he's listed in those emergencies. This DeLong list is uh, fun to look at for this week because Danger's back and he's been named in the back pocket. I know that's just for naming purposes, but it looks really fucking weird. Along with uh, Zach Guthrie and Sam DeConing. Mitch Duncan and Max Holmes are also both in this week. Now, I'm surprised that Jack Bowes is only listed as an emergency. Uh, Mitch Nevitt, also an emergency. I'd probably keep him in over Tanner Broon personally. Reese Stanley is listed as an emergency, and maybe he or Bose gets in as a late change. And then Zach Tui's being managed. Maybe he or Nevitt ends up as the sub. I would not mind Tui as the sub, and I'm hoping for the sake of better ruck play that it's Stanley over Cycler as a late change. That's the hope. Yeah, I think it's been a couple weeks since he's since Scott's pulled a late change, so I think it's very possible. Uh, powered favored by ten and a half seems fair. Tough to bet against them with the form they're in right now, but I mean, and they're they can win anywhere. But Port hosted night games are a different animal as well. They've performed really well in those this year, particularly thinking of the win against Melbourne a couple rounds ago. And this is another case where Scott Lysette could have a pretty big game. Picked him up in fantasy for the week because I didn't realize I probably shouldn't have carried both O'Brien and Draper all year since it turned out they have the same buy. After this week, I'm probably just going to carry O'Brien. Uh, speaking of buys, yeah, we'll do our bi-week progress report for the round coming up as well. Don't don't forget about that. Yeah, I decided to do the preview first because Thursday night footy, so expect that progress report, which will be a busy one there. A lot of interesting teams on buys on both ends of the ladder. Expect that to drop sometime Australian Friday. I think as much as the Cats could just get totally outclassed and overwhelmed and lose by like 30 or 40, you think this is stay close? I think this game is actually kind of winnable. If they haven't beaten the Bulldogs, I would not have any sort of confidence, but where would you see the Cats being able to win this game? What part of the ground would it really have to happen? Because Sam DeConing and Zach Guthrie step up and return to the form they showed last year, neutralize the tall Port Adelaide forwards, and then Cameron and Hawkins do their thing, and you kind of just keep it away from Malir. Jessa scored, I believe, three goals, at least in both games last year. Stengel played pretty well in both those games against Port as well. Would be nice for him to really take his game to a new level. I think he should be pretty much up to speed now. And, you know, there's a world where Brian gets three or four assists this week. I mean, that's, I feel like there are a lot of different worlds in which that can happen. By the way, he has 20 assists. The all-time record is 44 from Jason Akramanis. Next closest is only 36, so he could crack the podium. Yeah, don't think of Akramanis as an assist guy, but that's just how strong that 
early 2000s Lions attack was, I guess. Speaking of the Lions, they're hosting Friday Night Footy at the Gabba against the Swans. Um, yeah, this game has lost a bit of its luster. Yeah, this one gets underway at 2.50 a.m. on Friday for us, 5.50 a.m. on the East Coast, 7.50 p.m. in Queensland. It'll be a Fox Sports 2 game. These teams each had round 12 buys. Both came back last week. Both lost last week. The Lions fell to 8-4 and four with their loss at Hawthorne, and the Swans fell to 5-7 and seven with their home loss to St. Kilda, which included the greatest first quarter in the history of history. This is the most exciting thing to ever happen in the history of history. Hey, they kicked a touchdown. Gary Apremian would be proud. Unfortunately, I can't really find a soundbite of it, but, or you know what? Maybe there's a clip out there somewhere. Yeah, if you don't know who Gary Apremian was, he was a uh, Cypriot-born NFL kicker. Played mostly for the Dolphins, famous for a terrible rushed pass attempt when a field goal was botched in a Super Bowl. And also one time he celebrated a bunch after kicking a field goal and when asked why, he said, I kick a touchdown. That was probably a terrible Cypriot accent. Well, he's also, he's Armenian, just born in Cyprus. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, yeah, the first quarter of that game was, that set football back decades. Well, it set it back to the 90s. It was the lowest scoring first quarter since 99. Cannot expect that this week. I expect the Lions to take care of an undermanned Sydney defense still. Yes, Rampy's back. I like that he and Lewis Melkin are both in, but it's not just the talls that can win it for Brisbane. It's pretty much someone different leading them in goals every week. I mean, I guess Charlie Cameron's the most likely candidate because he's Charlie Cameron, but Rainers had a couple clutch games. Zach Bailey could easily kick four. I'm a very big Zach Bailey advocate, as you know. I'm surprised how little the small forwards did for the Lions last week. Yeah, Hawthorne's defense did quite well. Sicily, obviously. Blake Harbuck holding his own. One important change for the Lions this week, Hugh McCluggage is concussed after that James Sicily tackle. Should note, the Hawks are appealing. In fact, two appeals will be heard this week. Hawthorne and Richmond also appealing Ryan Mansell's suspension. I'm wondering, you know, is a possible outcome of this just the suspensions being decreased rather than completely thrown out are they i'm not exactly sure what they're planning on challenging in there but they found something and it can't be a patrick cripps thing where it's prosecution errors because that loophole was closed i liked that it was closed basically by just saying no you can't do this anymore instead of like making sure that the prosecution doesn't screw up the afl has ticked off the afl's handling of the afl kadeen coleman was the sub in round 13 and daniel rich looked over the hill that's another change i'd make yeah, I I didn't get that at all. No, confused me a lot. Sure, Coleman's a bit smaller, but his kicking's been more accurate, a bit faster these days as well compared to Rich, and plays above his size in marking contests. I also think he just kind of, he starts quick counterattacks off an intercept too. That's one of the other things I really like about him. Yeah, I think I like his shorter kicking better than I do Rich. When you think Daniel Rich, you think, you know, accurate, long and low kicks. No surprise that there are some names to look at among the Lions reserves. Kai Lohman continuing good form. He made his debut last year. I'm surprised he hasn't been featured yet this year. I really liked him. Yeah, I like Lohman. I mean, Devin Robertson got in ahead of him. Robertson, especially good in terms of pressure, and that was important with Zorko being out. Although, I mean, that didn't work as a whole for him because, I mean, they lost. Uh, McCluggage has been played on the wing somewhat, so maybe Harry Sharp would come in there and... Starting to really pick up the debut watch for father-son pick Jasper Fletcher. Not Jasper, Jasper. 
He had two goals this past week. Actually got important suspension returns both ways in this one, huh? Yeah, Luke Parker back from his suspension for the Swans. Joel Amardi came back as the sub last week. Didn't do a ton, but should be back in the full 22 this week. That will help. Also, Nick Blakey has a foot injury, but he's probable. Yeah, he was subbed out with concerns over his head. He went was going through the HIA process, but he was not concussed. From the VFL, both their midseason picks impressed, those being Jack Bullard, who kicked five goals, and Harry Arnold. Wait, we don't trust guys with two first names. Generally, no. Saw a very good performance from a two-first-name pitcher last night in Oakland, Hogan Harris. I mean, Harris isn't, like, always a first name, whereas, like, you know, if your name is Brian Kenny, it's like, no, you have two first names. I mean, we got a great-grandfather whose first name was Harris. So uh, that was also a different time. It's like, you know, now if someone's last name is Gertrude, it's just funny. Last name? Yeah. Fuck it. I need to create a character whose last name is Gertrude now. That would, see, that would be a good Southern name. So the way to do U.S. Southern names, think about the founder of Chick-fil-A, S. Truett Caffey. It's got to be like initial old-timey sounding name, woman's first name. So like uh, P. Franklin Gertrude. Exactly. Or just... um. H. Whitford Mildred. Ooh, Whitford. Lions are favored by 27 and a half. I could see them really cleaning up in this one. I, I could see that too, running away with it late, but it's the GABA. The Swans do have a midfield that can compete with the Lions. If the midfield can win enough contests, I think it'll depend on Jack Payne having a better game in the defensive 50. He was a bit vulnerable last week, got taken advantage of by Tyler Brockman for one. First really down game we'd noted from him in a while. He just looked... He looked like just slow and clunky, honestly. Which was a concern I'd had for him going into this year. If it's just a one-week lapse and he had missed the prior game... Yeah, before the bye, he had been concussed round 10. Yeah. Like, I... If he plays well this week, those concerns will be gone. I just... I have other concerns with their defense. And again, a lot of that starts with Daniel Rich. Could the Swans try to do the same thing that Hawthorne did, where they just work the ball to the outside and dominate uncontested? I could see that if, yeah, if like if Parker and Robottom do their damaging work in the guts off contest again, then I could totally see that. I mean, the, the Lions have a deep enough midfield that they'll be able to put on the pressure. Zorka returning will help with that, but the Swans could outrun him. Justin McInerney plays a little bit up as well. I can see that. McInerney is a player that I've been really enjoying to watch these past couple years. Been getting more halfback time, covering defensively, kind of on the edge of the 50-meter arc. If he could get out along with Blake, or maybe have them play on opposite sides of the oval, that could be an opportunity to exploit some space on the wings, and which is an area where the Lions definitely do have some concerns, because I don't think of McCluggage as a very natural wing, do you? I think he's got the skill to do it. I think he's just kind of forced there by the rest of the midfield being so crowded, which is, I mean, it's an okay problem to have because of how damaging the rest of that midfield is. But I mean, they're they're missing like a true winger, though. Yeah, I really personally like, you know, a winger that really utilizes the speed. You know, Max Holmes obviously being one of my favorites in that role. Last year's Nathan O'Driscoll. Yeah, I mean, this year's Nathan O'Driscoll has been fine, too. But and just the way he played last year was really fun. And speaking of O'Driscoll, transition time. Transition! Transition! Dun-da-da-da-da-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-
GWS hosts Fremantle to kick off Saturday action, and it's not until late in the afternoon in Australia, which means if you're like us in the U.S., you got a Friday night to screw around, do some shenanigans and stuff. Yeah, usually we just eat our dinner and then just get set to watch the footy, but this doesn't start till 11.35 p.m. local time for us. 2.35 a.m. on Saturday morning on the East Coast, 2.35 p.m. in Western Australia, 4.35 p.m. local in New South Wales. This will be at the showground and a Fox Soccer Plus telecast here in the States. It might be because it's at GWS. I kind of love this matchup. I think this could be a really exciting game. Giants come in at 5-8. and eight. They're in 14. They won in North. Frio, 6-6. Six and six. They're 10th after losing to Richmond. Frio, if you recall, had the round 12 by as well. But what I like about this matchup, first off, it's not in Canberra, where despite the crowds of the Tom Green fan club, the Giants just can't win. Yeah, they lost, what, their past eight there or something? Eight or it might even be nine now. Uh, last year, they hosted the Dockers there to close the season, the loss by 20. Frio also beat them in round four at Optus by 34, but the Giants really won that day with the banner. Giants are in town, tough and hard-nosed. Frio will be wishing the border stayed closed. Yes. We are thankful that McGowan's on the way out. I'm just all in favor of laughing at Western Australia's border shutdowns and everything, and GWS did a great job of that. But what I like about this game is I think you're going to have just— this is going to have a great flow to it, great pace back and forth. Yeah, the past couple months or so, when Frio won on that run, winning four or five, they returned to a lot of what made them so strong last year. They were so slow early on, and it didn't fit them. It almost was like Justin Longer was outthinking himself, whereas the list plays best when they're on the move quickly, when you've got those quick handballs going. And the Giants are quite similar. And Adam Kingsley's intent on you know bringing back the tsunami, and they've got the pieces for it. The couple Tobys have been really influential in that department. Captain Toby Green spending more time at half forward, taking some more center bounces. And Toby Bedford has been one of my favorite players to watch all year. I'm so glad he's getting the consistent time, you know, after overcoming the injury that he had at the start of the season. And with Brent Daniels out this week still with his hamstring, watch for Snooze to have another big game if the Giants are to win. Now, what I love, again, this could not only be a fast game, but there could still be a lot of really good defense, and it could end up high scoring just because of the pace. There's there's such a wide variety of outcomes here. I mean, it could just end up being a blowout in the Dockers' favor. I don't see the Giants really blowing Frio off the field, though. I think this is, if this game is decided by more than, like, five goals, I'd be really surprised. The odds makers and general public seem to think this one's kind of up for grabs. Uh, the Giants are actually favored by one and a half. Yeah, looking at the, the odds on Bovada, but um, going by, you know, on the AFL tipping competition, 53% have Fremantle, and Sportsbet does have the Dockers as a slight favorite. Very, very slight, like four cents on the dollar. Yeah. There's a lot of mystery to this game with who could still come in. A whole lot of tests for the Giants, particularly on the defensive end with Isaac coming. Coming, 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 coming. A test with a calf injury and Sam Taylor, the All-Australian, could return from the hamstring injury he suffered in the Anzac round out of Canberra. So that's been that's been eight weeks there. Josh Kelly is also a test from another hamstring injury, just another body that they could add there in the midfield. They've been distributing pretty well there. Stephen Canelio has gotten enough of the ball, but not too much. Tom Green's still doing his contest work. It's it's a good mix there still. 
we were concerned about Canelio as he was getting older, but he's seems to have found himself again in Kingsley's system. It's a style that fits the older players on the list while also, you know, incorporating the youth through its speed. For Taylor to possibly come back this week could make Josh Tracy's life a little tougher, assuming he stays in. I, I would imagine Tracy stays in. There's a Frio found their form mix when he was in the lineup. Um, look at the other parts of the Giants injury situation. Jacob Ware could return at some level this weekend. He was murdered in the first couple weeks. Got big shoulder injuries. So I imagine he'd return through the reserves. That's where Like Lear and Connor Stone returned from injuries this past week. Yay, Like Lear. And we're waiting to see when last year's midseason pickup Wade Dirksen makes his debut. He's been a name that's been thrown around a decent amount as of late, a key forward. And I mean, if if he's a more reliable kick than Jesse Hogan, which isn't hard, I think, get him in there. I could like Hogan as like a taller wing or half forward flank option. I know that the Giants are all about speed right now, but Hogan's hands would be useful there on the outside. To have that big physical marking presence is really nice. I'm thinking like Harry Mackay, what he's done when he's done his best work marking this year. On Frio side, no Sean Darcy again this week. He's still dealing with that hamstring injury, so Kieran Briggs should eat. I believe the guy that has him in our league, Rick, who's a Giants fan, has Briggs as his captain right now, and I like that pick. I mean, should be a fun battle between him and Jackson, but Briggs has been red hot as of late. Getting a lot of clearances on his own, too. James H. got concussed from that Ryan Mansell collision. Mansell and the Tigers are appealing, I believe. Yeah, I had mentioned that. And H. won't be rushed back, it sounds like. So he could miss round 15 as well. That's against Essendon. Uh, Jager O'Meara should be back from his suspension for a supposedly dangerous tackle that wasn't dangerous. And it looks like Michael Walters will be in in a full capacity this week. Uh, down at the State League, Neil Erasmus played well. Could see him elevated back in. Carl Warner could be called up for his debut, and then taller options. You could look at Josh Corbett coming as an emergency, or rookie Liam Rainey as another Ruckman. Corbett and pick 41 from last year, Tom Emmett, a mature age recruit from Sturt, not to be confused with number one, Sam Sturt. They were both emergencies last week. I think having another Ruckman in is the right move for Frio, even if it's not a very good one. Like, even if it's barely better than John Segler, because it frees up Luke Jackson to do so much more, I think it's really worthwhile, even if the plan would be to sub that guy out after, like, three quarters or something. Yeah, give me Reedy, give me Sebit Kuek if he's ready. I just think it's less about that player, because the way you should be looking at it is not, oh, he's such a downgrade from Darcy, it's what does his inclusion allow Luke Jackson to do? And if it allows Luke Jackson to cook more, go with it. Like, if you asked me, just, would you rather have Luke Jackson or Sean Darcy? The obvious answer is Luke Jackson. Even though you really want Sean Darcy as a Cats fan? Oh yeah, just Jackson is a more all-around player. But having Darcy in there, or, you know, having any other Ruckman frees up so much for Jackson to do so much more. And I think we saw him playing his best when he was able to do that. I mean, you think about why he was so relevant as a demon. It's that he and Max gone. Whichever one was in the ruck, it freed up the other to do their best work. All right, we're going to take our break real quick here. Field, we're doing it after just three games. Yeah, uh, we got to get used to it. Going to be a lot of uh, three-team or three-game segments coming up these next couple weeks. So back in a moment. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello again. As a reminder, for those of you who may not know already, and if you don't, it probably means you're new here. So welcome. Hope you are enjoying this thus far. Hope we're gaining more of an audience everywhere. I mean, I know that particularly we're wanting to attract more American audiences, but just by the nature of it being footy content, it's I think it's about two-thirds of our listeners are Australian. Regardless, you can find us on Twitter and YouTube at Americans Footy. I'm individually on Twitter at BenjaminHK01. I am at Castle Media. Brian Harambe is sleeping next to me. He is on Instagram at cat named Brian. The middle name of Harambe, had you figured that out for a while? Yes, because I knew just calling him Harambe Jr. wouldn't be correct, considering that he's not Harambe's son. Fair enough. Named after brave people. Now, here's something I wanted to ask about. You talked about our audience analytics. It can tell us where people are listening from, but I'd love to know, like, when are people listening? Are they listening on a drive to work? Are they listening sitting at their desk? Are they just listening while taking a dump? I mean, you drafted your fantasy team while doing that. Slightly. Just, that was only, like, one pick. I recorded part of an episode last week while, while doing that. Oh, I, I had no idea. Cool. We had talked about it. I don't know if I was taking a dump. I was at least in the bathroom. One of the ones that I was in Philadelphia for. Huh, well, good echo. Um, Yeah. Let us know, you know, when you're listening, what you're doing. We'd love to interact with more listeners. To wrap up Saturday night, I mean, it's just two games on Saturday. Yeah, but I, another, I could see this going any possible way matchup. Richmond hosting the Saints at the G. This one gets underway in in that usual late Saturday time slot. That means for us, it's 2.25 a.m. If you're on the East Coast, 5.25 If you're in Vienna, Austria, it's 11.25 a.m., and if you're in Eastern Australia, it'll be at 7.25 p.m., and this one will be available to American audiences on Fox Sports 2. We've got just two U.S. TV games this round, and next round as well, but not having any overlaps means it's really less of an issue. For us, anyway, yeah? Yeah. For viewers as committed as we are, yeah. Um, If you don't have Watch AFL, get good. Yeah, do it as part of a club membership. Well worth it. 24-7 Fox Footy Plus replays going back right now six years, I think. So if you're an Eagles fan, you can actually look back to times when they were good. And if you're a Blues fan, you can look back to something, I guess. Richmond enter at 5-7-1. They're in 14th after winning at Frio this past week. Yes, Ethan Hughes' kick hit the post. And the Saints are 8-4. and four. Coming out of their round 12 bye, they defeated Sydney last Thursday, so nine days between games for the Saints. These teams met round three last year at Marvel, where the Saints put up 117 in a 33-point victory. They had a 10-goal stretch in the third and fourth quarter and kicked seven goals to Richmond's one in that final frame to really pull away convincingly. Yeah, Max King just had two behinds in the first half and then kicked 4-1 in the fourth. One of the rare times where he's able to put a bad start to a game behind him. I think that was the game where we first started really thinking about St. Kilda as being a bit of a surprise last year. 
For Richmond this week, the biggest story is Marlon Pickett. He has been ruled out. Sounds like he could play after the bye, though. I guess depending on court matters. I mean, he's out on bail. He's training. Uh, Ryan Mansell suspended three games for that bump on James Aish. We'll see how the appeal goes there. Uh, sounds like Ivan Soldo's a chance to play. He's coming back from a foot injury. I don't think he's played that well this year. Nobs only had, what, that one game, right? And the issue there is, you know, do you just go taller or do you take out Samson Ryan? I like Samson Ryan, as I've said. Yeah, I do as well. Um, you know, hasn't been as active since Dan Curvis has been back in for obvious reasons, but I'd take Ryan over Ben Miller any day. Out of the VFL, Morris Rioli Jr. returned from his hamstring injury. I don't know if he's going to be able to crack the lineup currently. 2021 draftee Sam Banks could debut on the wing, and Tyler Sonsi played better. I mean, with how the Saints have been going lately, I guess they could be a bit exploitable on the wing, so maybe that's where where Banks could come in and where Morris's speed could be a bit of a factor. In general, the Saints midfield has not been up to their standard from the first month and a half. Jack Steele seems to be banged up, and Jack Higgins has been playing more for it. I think he might need to be drawn a bit further back to get more of those contest wins along with Dan Butler. Butler was a tribunal success this past week. He was not suspended for his tackle of Nick Blakey because it was a tackle. It was it was as clean as it gets. You can't be blamed for catching a player unaware in a tackle, can you? No. I mean, Michael Christian tried. No injury concerns for the Saints. Could see Tim Membry coming back in, though. He stayed at VFL level, hasn't played in the top flight since his concussion a few weeks back. Maybe this is a time for him to get back, and maybe if you draw Higgins a bit further into the midfield, that could allow another forward spot to open up for Membry. I would get memory in there. I think he adds a lot to an offense that at times hasn't been great and certainly hasn't been the most exciting to watch. This might be one of those games that like the first couple quarters are just a snooze fest and then ends up, you know, being interesting because it's a close game rather than, you know, like the, the actual flow of the game is exciting. Kind of how it was last week for a decent amount of that Tigers game out West. Real started off well, but just end up being a less enticing middle patch that game, I'd say. Should also mention that Tom Highmore and Cooper Sharman both played at the reserves level and did all right. Sharman was the sub at the AFL level before that, so he played five quarters this past week, which is pretty badass. Tigers are favored by five and a half, and I'm currently tipping them, but I'm not super confident. If this game were at Marvel, I would say yes easily, and that's where their rematch will be round 22. I don't know, this one's basically a toss-up. If Richmond win it, I think it'll need to be them getting outside, and whoever the second ruck is will need to have an important game, relieving Dan Curvis at times. One of the two rucks will need to take an important snag of the 50 and kick a goal. A specific prediction, but I think it's a good one. On to Sunday, which less appealing than Saturday, but at least the first game could be pretty damn fun from a like, sicko's perspective, Carlton hosting Gold Coast. The Suns are making a rare appearance at the G. It is their one trip to the G this year. I don't think there's going to be a big crowd at this one. I would love if just a bunch of random Suns fans turned up, or if, like, fans of a bunch of other teams just all of a sudden... They just show up in red and gold to rag on Carlton. Yes. That is exactly what I want to have happen. That's what you'd do if you were in Melbourne. Oh, absolutely. I would, like, see if I could bring a trumpet and do the, do the Suns fanfare after each of their goals. Bring the trombone. I need to check some flights, huh? 
and you need to check what sort of musical instruments are allowed inside. Uh, clearly, big-ass bass drums are allowed, and, you know, they allow big objects like floggers and stuff, but you can't bring in an umbrella. I mean, I don't know if there's different stuff for what the cheer squad is allowed to do. Anyway, this game gets underway at 8.10 p.m. our time on Saturday, 11.10 if you're on the East Coast, and then actually in Australia, 1.10 on Sunday afternoon. In the Pacific States, of course, yes. Uh, Patrick Cripps' family will be watching at 11.10 a.m. out west. Think he's all around Geraldton? You know, his form's been a big topic, obviously, with the slip in his numbers we mentioned, recent running averages last time out. I think he's playing injured. I think his back is bothering him again. If you look at, you know, since round eight or so, when that decline in Crips form starts, the only consistently positive contributor for the Blues in the midfield, someone who's been playing above expectations, I'd say, would be Adam Chera, who's picked up some of the load on the inside and has been a generally accurate kick. Oh, uh, not what? Yeah, yeah, we we started doing that last year. Was it because you confused which Adam it was at first? I don't know, but it was fun and I'm kind of stuck with it. Question, when Adam Sod kicks on his non-preferred, on his right foot, are you not supposed to say woof then? I think you should meow. Ooh. I also just like the idea of, like, thousands of people all in unison doing that. <laughs> it might just be in the single thousands for this game. I mean, we'll see how many baggers are willing to show up considering what their club has put them through as of late. There's a real chance this is Michael Voss's last game. People have been saying that, like, every week for the last few weeks. Though. Okay, but especially... After the humiliation against Essendon in the third quarter, the bye coming up, the dreaded vote of confidence being given last week from the club brass. And yet I still totally feel like this is a game they could win because it would be kind of just a Gold Coast thing to lose this one. Yeah, I mean, the Blues are favored right now by four and a half. Yeah, I would not favor them. I would favor the Suns here. But but I can see Gold Coast, you know, after playing so well up at Darwin, you know, they come back down to earth and do this and it's... You know, sitting, it's like, you got our hopes up for that. Our expectations were high for you and holy fuck. Uh, I, I guess so. The Suns are at six and six with a percentage of exactly a hundred. They sit in 11th. The Blues are in 15th at four, eight, and one. I, I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be laughing, but I am. Oh, I'm laughing. Just with, I mean, I, I shouldn't be throwing stones as an Eagles fan. With how much their fans were talking after those first four rounds. It's hard not to make fun of them. Suns won their matchup last year against the Blues. That was on the Gold Coast in round four. Patrick Chris got injured in the first quarter of that game, and Mark Pitnett was out hurt that as well, which certainly did not help against Jared Wintz. Pitnett should be in for this one, recovering from a hand injury after he was held out again last week. Blues should also regain George Hewitt from the concussion protocol. Their midfield mix is not right especially with Cripps not playing as strongly as of late, and Ed Kerno, some reason, still being in as a tagger despite laying zero tackles on Zach Merritt. I'm going to say something very bold and controversial that deviates from what I've been saying literally every week on this show for the last month plus. They should take Ed Kerno out of the lineup. Why would you say something so controversial yet so brave? Why is Patty Dow not going to get a full game? Yes, I expect him to be the sub again. Like, I don't think Dow is a great player by any means, but... He laid infinitely more tackles than Ed. He also laid more tackles than Patrick Cripps and Sam Walsh last week the, in a quarter. You look at the bottom of Carlton's list and the guys we're talking about, and there's a lot of just 
shitty to unremarkable parts to toss around. You're just going to be shuffling pieces. Voss will take the blame because it's easy to fire the coach, and Brad Lloyd and Nick Austin will just sit there wondering, what else can we do? Uh, you can get the hell out. I mean, I hope the axe is swung. David Cunningham hasn't played in the AFL in over two years and has been kicking well at the reserves level. Zach Fisher and Lockie Fogarty have been putting on better performances there. Give us something. Give us something different. I was so thankful to see Jack Martin back in this past week. Just was something different in the forward group when they'd been looking for something else in there for so long. And with Corey Durden out and Jesse Motloff having been unremarkable, it was just, oh, wow, this, this is actually nice for a change. More of that. More of something. Defensively, Gold Coast could get Sean Lemons back from a hamstring injury, but I wouldn't bring him back in because they played just fine without him. Mac Andrew coming back from a club suspension. I think he missed a recovery session or something. You know, it was an ice bath type thing, I think. Okay, does Mac Andrew want to go to port now? I mean, I know that the Cats wouldn't have a space for him, but I just love watching him. And I know he's not a very good kick. He's a flawed player, but just like, watch him run. He's got that Waluigi build. Like, watch, watch him just, like, embrace the Waluigi character, get bowed legs and a super thin mustache. He's way taller and skinnier. He just looks so spindly. I, I just love watching him. Thinking about more realistic-looking players and more realistic inclusions, maybe? I mean, Brandon Ellis has been in and out of the side, and stupid, sexy Sam Flanders has been playing well in the reserves as of late. It's a deep list, as we've talked about so much. The Suns are very fortunate to have been recruiting so well and taken advantage of some of their academy pieces as well. So, I mean, I imagine we won't see many changes considering how well they performed in Darwin, but yeah, I would make very few changes, if any. I mean, I'd consider bringing Andrew back in because he's Mac Andrew, and that's about it. Final game of the round. We're back to the round ending on kind of a snooze, probably. It's North and the Bulldogs at Marvel. 4.40 p.m. local, so 2.40 a.m. early Sunday morning on the East Coast of the U.S., 11.40 p.m. late Saturday night for us. Another Fox Soccer Plus telecast. I just think of the beatdowns that the Bulldogs have put on North these past few years, particularly, you know, in those good Friday fixtures, because that's when they've normally been playing them up to this year. I mean, 2021, you had Josh Bruce kicking 10. Last year, Aaron Naughton and Cody Waitman both kicked five as the Dogs won by 68, just missing out on a double up. And they had enough scoring shots for it. They were just somewhat inaccurate, as was the norm for them early last year. 21-13 is not inaccurate. They missed some easy shots in that game still. I don't know. I feel it feels so unsatisfied when you like just miss the double up. I feel like despite their recent track record against them, I'm just getting wiped. I feel like North can actually match up with them, especially with the possibility of getting all three of Luke Davies, Uniac, Jai Simpkin, and Hugh Greenwood back. I mean, those are your ends right there. Then you've got a midfield that can definitely compete with the Titans of the Bulldog midfield. And just can either team's defense do anything? Because the Bulldogs defense has been kind of ass these last few weeks. And North defensively, I mean, that's been an issue all year. It's been an issue for multiple years, and and against the Bulldogs forward group especially. Yeah, those talls could have a field day there. Thinking about that Dogs defense, the Dogs made five changes last round, and I mean, it was a competitive game, but 
Josh Bruce got bullied by Charlie Dixon early on before they switched up that matchup. Ryan Tikamasala Gardner and Tim O'Brien were exclusions last week. You got Luke Cleary and Hayden Crozier playing in the VFL as well and doing well. I mean, Buku Kamas has been playing more of a forward ruck role as of late. He kicked two goals and did well in reserve ruck duties behind Jordan Sweet as Footscray won at Frankston. I want to go back and actually watch that one a bit more, just looking at some of these fringe guys like Mitch Hannon, who kicked five. I think it's going to be hard to pass him up now. Caleb Poulter was an AFL emergency last week and played in the reserves. So, I mean, the options are there. The answers thus far, especially defensively for the dogs, have been unsatisfying. I want and expect moves to be made. I just don't know what would be if it would be enough against a better opponent. Are there any changes in particular you want to see for the dogs this week? I mean, moving out Josh Bruce probably, or giving him an opportunity forward again because of, yeah, he's not a defender, as we've said. Um, I'd like to try Buku Columbus just because he hasn't gotten in there this year and could provide a spark. I think he's a high-energy player. And Caleb Poulter, I'm totally in on just because... When, he, when it comes to, like, for example, shuffling between Alex Keith and Tim O'Brien, it's like just interchangeable, mediocre pieces. You know, try something new. Interchangeable, mediocre pieces are how things get stagnant. Uh, dogs favored by 30 and a half. I maybe bring this line down by four points or so. Is that kind of crazy? If you have all those midfield inclusions in for North, then I don't think it's crazy. For North, the biggest thing is I I want to see, you know, other than those midfield ends, I want Callum Coleman-Jones and Eddie Ford to keep up their form forward. Ford has been one of my favorite young players to watch and just learn about because he's a later round guy, didn't get as much press in the debut last year, didn't take him much because it was, you know, we weren't watching North that intently. Uh, actually, he debuted in 2021. My bad, 2020 cycle. See, that's how little we've been paying attention to North really before this year even doing the podcast last year. My apologies to Eddie Ford. I think some scouts and list managers from other clubs may be doing some apologizing soon enough. He's had at least 16 disposals in three out of four games. Had nine intercepts last week, which don't expect from a four-and-a-half player. Exactly. That's He's done a lot of different stuff, even though he's only he's never kicked more than two goals in a game. I, I like this kid, and I look forward to watching more of him. I think that's really, like, you know, as you try to follow a crappy team's progression throughout the season, you want to have some storylines like that. And this is this is one of them. It's like how for the Eagles, you know, Oscar Allen and his goal streak, my pet project in Brady Hoff, guys like that. But more about the Eagles next episode as part of our progress reports. Um, I guess all we've got to do at this point then, Ethan, is our main character picks for round 14. Do you think it's going to be on field where we find our main character this round? With the fewer games of with other stores going on around the league. Hmm. My pick this round is going to be fans flipping off the camera. I mean, we saw one of those last week that was pretty prominent at Optus with with a Freo fan. But um, yeah, I can see that. I'm going to stay off field as well. And I'm going to go with the appeals board because I think some of the reasoning behind their decisions is going to kind of come out of nowhere. And I think we're going to get at least one suspension lowered, but not thrown out. And that'll be a point of contention. They'll kind of go with all the, the tribunal talk as well, kind of 
seeing if the match review stuff has been applied well. These appeals could open up a lot of different cans of worms. The other option I'm going to go with this week, just because I really like the guy, is Dr. Gary Zimmerman, the Bulldogs trainer with the amazing flow and stash. Yeah, I noticed him a couple times last week, and you know, they're the final game of the round, so be fresh in everyone's memory. All right, yeah, I like that. So a shorter preview for us, because only six games and then six teams to talk about next time. Until then, though, find me at BenjaminHK01 on Twitter. Find me on Castle Media at Twitter. Um, okay. Find Grind Harambe the Footy Cat. Still content on Ethan's bed and on Instagram a cat named Grind. Find us at Americans Footy. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the start of round 14. And all of round 14. Should be fun. Awkward ending.